Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I do not understand this football name in America. How how many of kicks is there in the football game? Six kicks? I'm going to say it once and hopefully I'm wrong, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams and then a toss and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise and the noise. Oh, what are you doing? You gotta be paping me. It's Jonathan Elway. He was so sassy and cool. And hey, guys, I'm a cowboy. Bang, bang, sling, sling, toss, toss. I'm going to lose all the time. And then I win. And then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat this. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gilligan. Yes, I'm Kevin Gilligan, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany, but as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. Welcome back, Broncos fans, one and all. Thank you, for, as always, for tuning in. Here I am broadcasting from just outside of, of Munich, Germany, <clears throat> a little bit under the weather. So I, I've, I've been kind of vaguely sick for almost the entire winter. It, it drives me crazy, and I get these headaches and whatnot. So no bueno. But um, we finally, at least in terms of the Broncos, we've, we've kind of had news every week. Last week was a really slow week. That was a tough podcast to put together there are just some weeks of the year of the off season where it's like what the heck do we do i mean we can speculate on what might happen at the combine <laughs> i mean that's pretty rough so i mean at least now we can actually talk about the combine what went on you know who ran how fast and jumped how high and and who looks better who answered questions well during the interviews and all that jazz we also have free agency which is what is it what's today the fifth so a little over a week from now. Uh, so we have a lot you know, going on, a lot we can talk about. The Broncos' agency and how they approach that will show us a lot and how they are looking at the draft. Um, kind of like Joe Flacco probably shows us that they aren't going to panic at the number 10 spot for a quarterback. Um, we're also going to talk about, we're going to have on, as always, the skipper dude who's going to discuss a failed draft pick back in the day by the Denver Broncos, one of the worst draft picks in the Broncos history. And he's going to describe why the combine is actually important. It's a, it's a really nice little segment and stay tuned as always for Skipper Dude coming up later. 
Um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about combine, a little bit about obviously the draft and the draft order, what I think that John Elway is going to do, what the options are. I mean, it's a funny thing when you start looking at the draft and it's like, okay, you know, you have thousands of players they can pick. So it's really impossible to, to say who's going to go where and, and, and who's going to be picked. And the, a lot of these guys do a good job with their mock drafts, but this year has been nuts. I mean, I have seen so many mock drafts. And none of them are even close to each other. They're all totally mixed up. I mean, Joey Bosa going one or two overall is is almost for sure. Um, other than that, I mean, the top 10 is is really kind of random. You have linebackers, you have cornerbacks, you have maybe two quarterbacks, you have maybe one, you have maybe three going into the top 10. Now, it's, it's, it's as always, it's kind of a crapshoot, but this year really seems even crazier than, than most. And no one knows what the Denver Broncos are going to do. And no one really knows what Elway's going to do. And I think a lot of people think Elway's going to go with with Drew Locke. But uh, we're going to discuss that later, that I don't think that's the case. I, I think that's almost the least likely thing to happen, that the Broncos draft Drew Locke at number 10, at least. Um, yeah, first of all, yeah, let's talk about the combine. And I, I didn't watch any of it. I mean, obviously, again, in Germany, it's, it's at weird times in the day or night for me. And, and I watch some of the highlights. I look at Twitter, I see who's doing well. It seems like an unbelievable year for guys, just, you know, freakish athletes, just freak athletes. It's unbelievable what these guys are doing. I mean, you see, you see a, a defensive lineman or an edge guy, uh, Montez sweat running a four, four, one That is absolutely insane insane i mean you have you have wide receivers running at 44140 and and some of the best wide receivers running at 44140 i mean that's we're talking about Obel, odell beckham jr and, and guys like that so that is unbelievably quick i mean you have other guys like devin white who is you know one of the her- heralded linebackers that people have projected many times to the broncos that he may not even make it there because he may go before number 10 um and he ran a what did he run a four he ran a four 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 but then a couple other guys ran a four 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 and four four five as linebackers. So you had you had like four or five linebackers and linemen running these just absolutely absurd forties. You had a defensive lineman um, run something like a four eight, which is it's probably faster than I run right now. And I'm pretty quick. I'm pretty athletic. And these this guy's like three hundred and twenty pounds, and he's running faster than me. I mean, it's it's insane. It's it's totally insane. And it shows you. I don't know what these guys are doing. I mean, I mean, it, I think that the NFL it increasingly becomes more and more athletic. These guys become more and more fit and, and ridiculously beefy. Um, who was this guy? DK DK Metcalf, I think it was Metcalf. I remember his name. Wide receiver who who is just ridiculously yoked. I mean, like stupid yoked. I, he, he, he puts Tim Tebow to shame yoked. And I think even to a point where people are teams are worried about his agility because he's got too many muscles. I mean, he's a wide receiver and his arms are like bigger than my thighs. And that's not even kidding. And I don't have small thighs. I mean, this dude is freaking insane. I mean, look, if you haven't seen pictures of him, of him yet, go, go Google. I think it was DK Metcalf and he, he's interesting story. He's a guy who, um, who comes from a long line of, of, of football players like he has I think three cousins who are who are NFL football players so interesting genes I guess there and and I don't know if it's all natural I mean the dude is so yoked if he didn't do that with some help I will be surprised but unfortunately in the NFL I don't think those things are really taken that seriously you know the PED use now it's taken seriously if you piss off the NFL then they will they'll test you and they'll test you plenty as we've seen with like Eric Reed. Um, and sometimes I think they do do some random tests, but I don't think they take it seriously. I mean, look at some of these guys. There's, there's just no way some of these guys are, are naturally that big. I just, I can't believe it. And I'm not saying he did it. I'm not, I'm not accusing him, but whew, if, if that's natural, then props to the guy. I mean, just insane genes. And anyway, it's an interesting combine and it makes you wonder because I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the combine. Um, I think it's a it's a bit ridiculous. I think you're just looking at pure numbers with with guys that I guess they're under pressure, but they're not. You know, a guy who you're seeing guys catching balls as wide receivers. You know, they're they're making all these quick moves and catching balls, and they look really smooth and quick. And they're not 
I mean, that's not in a game. I mean, you're not, you're not, you don't have a, a free safety coming in, you know, at 30 miles per hour trying to take your head off. So, I mean, I get it. I, I get that you're kind of seeing some of their skills, just their, their base skills. But to me, yeah, it doesn't, it, I don't know. I mean, it, it wouldn't really decide that much for me. I mean, I guess you can say, okay, now we actually know their, their measured, you know, skills, but I mean, it's so totally different in a game. Like, you look at some of the guys who ran the, the the fastest 40s ever. I think, who was the guy? I think John Ross? Ross. I, I, I'm so terrible with these names today. The wide receiver for Cincinnati who ran a 4.26 or something like that. One of the fastest 40s of all time. And he's terrible. He's terrible. I think I think in, in two years, two seasons, he's gotten, I think he's caught 13 passes. And he's been one of the one of the worst wide receivers in football. And, and I mean, as a guy who's a starter or should be a starter. And so it just shows you, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. Some of these guys, you know, they can jump high. They can, you know, pump a lot of iron. You know, they're really strong. But when it comes to the football field, they're, they're not the same. The, the, the pressure, you know, gets to them or, or whatever. So it's not all about the physicality of these guys. And they have to show up on the field. And obviously football teams know that as well. But I don't really myself get all the hype about the combine. I think part of it is because people are are, are thirsting for football. They're, they're they're hungry for something for something exciting and they see these these 40 times and it's it's unbelievable. But when you have a guy like like Devin White, you know, the linebacker who runs a 4-4-4, that's incredibly impressive. But then when you have three other linebackers run 4-4-5s, okay, I mean, what does that show me about White? He's quick, but there are other guys just as fast. So, does that mean he should go in the top 10 and the other guy should go in the top 20. I mean, what, what does it mean? I mean, I mean, pure speed doesn't mean everything. Now it helps if you can look at, you know, if you can say, okay, I watched his tape when he played, what, geez, where did he play? I think LSU when he played at LSU and, and he's a, he's a tackling machine and he's a leader and, and all this stuff. And, and, and now we know he runs a four, four, four. Okay. That it is a plus, you know, so I, I get that, but I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is, kind of ridiculous and it's like the interviews you know they're saying oh you know drew lock just gives the greatest interviews he's so funny and captivating and he just controls people and it controls people controls the crowd whatever and yeah i mean it's good it's good to see but i mean what, what there aren't many guys who are going to have terrible interviews right i mean maybe a few are going to have interesting ones but i mean they ask guys like i mean one, one guy was asked how many testicles do you have or do you have both testicles it's like what what on earth? I mean, so, I mean, the only thing I can imagine that if they want to get a response is like, if you ask that question and they jump over the table and start pounding you in the face, then yeah, you probably shouldn't draft the guy. But I mean, other than that, I mean, what are you trying to see? Are you trying to, are you trying to ask these guys questions? They're going to make them sweat. I, I don't get it. I mean, I think it's, I think it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a bizarre interview process that, I mean, if, if a guy comes out there and runs a, a slow 40, does that mean you're not going to draft him? Are you going to draft him a round lower? I mean, what if he's a guy who's shown on tape that he is a baller? He's a guy who shows up to games. He's a guy who's a leader. I mean, maybe there are teams who who will, you know, just look at his combine and say, yeah, you know, he's not as fast as we saw, as we thought. So maybe he should be a, you know, late second round pick rather than an early second round pick. And I don't know. I think that's I think that's crazy. Um, uh, anyway, though, there there are some really good articles on MileHighReport.com and in everywhere else about about the combine and who did what and whatnot. And I mean, I'm not really an expert on all of it, but it is interesting. I mean, it's a fascinating, fascinating place to be. I I would love to go. I would love to watch these guys run that. I mean, to to watch a 300 pound man run a four eight forty. That's just insane. It, it, I mean, it, it really, I mean, I ran, when, when I was at my peak, I ran at 4.65, and I was considered quick. I mean, that was really fast. And that's, I mean, about as fast as some of these, you know, tight ends and stuff are running, and, I, and it, or, or slower. I mean, I think one of the tight ends ran at 4.5 or something. And these guys are, are you know, sometimes 60 pounds heavier than I was. Insane. I mean, just absolute freakish athleticism and the NFL is just, it, it, every year it gets more and more athletic. And you see why sometimes the NFL has to make make rules about safety and they have to tighten things up because these guys just get absolutely freakishly big, freakishly fast and strong. I mean, it, it's every year it seems these guys are just bizarre athletes. I mean, you used to have guys like Bo Jackson, I mean, guys who are just these unbelievable, you know, specimens, but 
it seems like when you at least just see guys, you know, you see them with their shirts off or something, it's like, holy crap. I mean, it's almost unnaturally, unnatural how big and strong and muscular these guys are. And it probably is unnatural how big and strong and fast these guys are. But interesting, interesting um, step in the offseason. At least it's the first step into an actual offseason. I mean, the next month or, or two months now are going to be kind of the exciting part of the offseason. Then you obviously, after the draft in April, you have, you know, the summer pretty much to, you know, just talk about what the team has done because there's not a whole lot that's going to happen until until the preseason starts in August. And so at least now we have a lot of things coming up, a lot of things we can talk about. I mean, free agency is going to be really fascinating. Um, we're going to talk about a little bit in the next segment about um, cap space and how much money the Broncos will have to spend or might have to spend a lot of it depends on who they uh, let go if they let go of Keenum or Marshall uh, Darian Stewart etc so there are plenty of guys that could let go and a lot of money that could be saved if they do so they're also going to lose money I mean that that's always the problem when you cut these guys with with high uh, yearly contracts that they're going to to hit your you know you have dead money dead money on your cap space which means i mean if you cut keenum you're going to save i think you're going to save 11 but you're going to lose 7 million just gone i think it's not that simple either i think again if you cut keenum and he signs with another team for 7 million then i think you're off the hook but if he signs say for the league minimum which is probably likely at this point then you're you're on the hook for you know I don't know six point five million, which means you're going to be paying both your quarterbacks Flacco and Keenum around twenty five million for a year, and that is not ideal. But I guess in Elway we trust. I hope there's a plan. Um, I hope you know I don't I don't think you there's no way you keep Keenum at least at the same salary. You can't. I mean, there's no way you have a quarterback two quarterbacks for eighteen million a year. I mean, that's ridiculous, especially if if you know they're both not that good. Um, so we'll see what they do there. It'll be interesting to see. Um, okay. Up next, we're going to send it over to the skipper dude a little early this time. He's going to talk about again, one of the worst draft picks in the Denver Broncos history and just tell you exactly why the combine is actually a pretty good thing. Skipper dude after this. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks as always for having me on, Kevin. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So today, with the 2019 NFL Combine officially in the books, I thought I'd take a look at the history and the significance of the Combine along with a little infamous Broncos history lesson in why it's a more important event for NFL teams than you might realize. Now, of course, anymore, you can always count on the NFL to make an event out of more or less everything on its calendar, down to the coin flip in the uh, Super Bowl. And the scouting combine is no exception, but it hasn't always been that way. The National Invitational Camp, the NIC, which is commonly known as the scouting combine, first began in 1982, and was only attended by 163 players. It was in Tampa, Florida that year. It was about half the size of today's camps in, in Indianapolis. And it was one of three camps that first year. And didn't draw much interest from the teams. And now in 1985, all 28 teams at the time agreed to participate. But really it was mostly as a means of sharing the cost of medical exams. It was not so much to evaluate players. And the event was not even televised until 2004 and really didn't become the major spectacle that it is today until about the past 10 years or so. So by and large, it's, the Combine is an opportunity to do what we call in the business world level setting. 
Now, most NFL talent evaluating executives, are they're, they're sophisticated enough at watching game film that they're going to get most of the impression of a player's tangible skills from watching hours upon hours of game film. And in fact, there was a piece out this past week about Rich Gangarello uh, that he likes to watch game film for his prospective quarterbacks all the way back to high school just to see how the quarterback has grown over the last four or five year period. That, you know, better him than me, I'm thinking. But, but the combine gives these executives an opportunity to validate or maybe even contradict what, what they're seeing on tape with the height and weight measurements, the wingspans, high hand sizes, especially for quarterbacks, and of course, the speed, strength, and agility skills. The combine doesn't paint an entire picture of a player's skill, but it most definitely de- it does paint a picture. Now, many of today's NFL players believe the combine is overrated, but, but there have been a number of players who are basically discovered at the combine, like J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, Odell Beckham, and if you go back a generation, Bo Jackson was, was discovered at the NFL combine. And of course, there have been a good number of superstars who were never invited to the combine at all, like, like Chris Harris Jr., Philip Lindsay, Antonio Gates, Tyreek Hill, and Julian Edelman. Obviously, the combine and the combine numbers are certainly not an infallible measure of a player's value. If you've never heard the name Mike Mamula, he was a big defensive end who, who ran a 4 5 8 40 in 1995 and basically blew away the skills tests and then vaulted up the draft board before getting taken by the Eagles at number seven overall. And, and the Eagles actually passed on future Hall of Famer Warren Sapp to, to, to get Mamula. But, and, and basically, they got themselves a bust of a player. He, he never worked out in the NFL. But to give you an idea of what can happen when you don't have the level setting of the combine to work with, I want to take you back in history to one of the more infamous moments that, that the Broncos have had. The year was 1988. Now, if you're a very old and shrewd Broncos fan, you probably know where I'm going with this. The Broncos had just been to back-to-back Super Bowls, but they'd been beaten fairly soundly by the Giants in Super Bowl 21, 39-20, and had been embarrassed by the Redskins in Super Bowl 22, 42-10, despite having gone into the game as three-point favorites. The general consensus in Broncos country, as it was with the front office and head coach Dan Reeves, I think, was that the Broncos needed to get tougher in the trenches, especially on defense. So everybody expected the Broncos to pick a defensive defensive lineman early, perhaps even in the first round. And I remember personally rooting for Dan Reeves to pick Michael Dean Perry, who had made a name for himself as the younger brother of William the Refrigerator Perry, who was the the gargantuan defensive lineman for the Bears' Super Bowl teams, who, who had doubled as a road-grading red zone fullback, a part of the lore of that, that Bears team of the mid-80s. Anyway, when the Broncos picked at number 26, they took a 6-foot, 1-inch, 260-pound defensive lineman from Syracuse named Ted Gregory. He, Ted Gregory had been a 1987 All-American defensive lineman, and he was of good size, obviously, for, for a D-lineman. And at the time, the Broncos' front office did not attend the Combine and it was not Dan Reeves' policy to meet with potential draftees prior to the draft. So the pick made a certain amount of sense, even though it was sight unseen. But my goodness, think about that. No combine, no workout, no interview, nothing. In today's world, it's almost unimaginable. But in 1988, this is how it really happened. So Gregory shows up to camp, and Dan Reeves must have felt like you do if you've ever written a scathing, crude email to a friend when you reply at work to an idiot's email, but you accidentally hit reply all, I mean, Reeves, who himself is six foot one inch, is said to have exclaimed when he met Gregory, oh my gosh, I'm taller than he is. And in reality, Gregory was closer to five foot nine than he was to six foot one, and he was 260 pounds. Basically, he was a stocky fat kid who had been a college All-American but had nothing close to an NFL body. And to make matters worse, he had suffered a knee injury in his last college game and even had allegations of steroid use against him. So Dan Reeves had to have been sick to his stomach when he first met Ted Gregory. Gregory then re-injured his knee during training camp and wasn't even on a path to make the final cuts and with, with Dan Reeves getting hounded by the local Denver media, he, he traded uh, Gregory to the to the New Orleans Saints for another defensive lineman named Sean Knight. Now, Gregory, sadly, he, he blew out his knee after three games in New Orleans, 
And, and he's actually, if you can believe this, mentioned by some old-time Saints fan fans as one of the worst New Orleans Saints of all time. So, so thus ended the the sad tale of, of Ted Gregory. And what could only be described as a sort of kind of cosmic retribution against Dan Reeves, he would go on, and the Broncos would go on to the Super Bowl again two years later, but they'd get matched up against possibly the greatest NFL team of all time, the 1989 Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, San Francisco 49ers, and still, without much of a defensive line, they, they suffered... The most embarrassing Super Bowl loss in Broncos history, 55-10. to 10. So guys, as we start to gear up for next month's draft, the combine honestly may not make a big difference in, in who the Broncos are actually going to draft. And yeah, perhaps it's become an empty made-for-TV event. And yeah, perhaps it's overrated like many of the players believe. And yeah, the Broncos have probably benefited from doing their homework and grabbing guys like Chris Harris Jr. and Philip Lindsay who are not even invited to the Combine. But if you consider the NFL draft without the Combine and consider the curious case of Ted Gregory, the Combine is not, not such a bad thing. Kevin, back to you. All right, thank you to Skipper Dude for the history lesson of the Broncos and why it is important to go to the Combine and why Dan Reeves was a... Uh, an interesting part of the history of the Denver Broncos. I think he's kind of a loved and hated figure. Um, obviously, his relationship with John Elway was not always great. And when you don't get along with the great ones, well, you usually um, get kicked out of the door and don't have the best of reputations, which is, yeah, you know, fair or not fair. That's just kind of how it goes. Uh, anyway, again, thanks to him. Um, again, yeah, the Combine, interesting as it was. I think it's... And again, it's a lead into what's up next. And next is the free agency. And that's really going to be a fascinating, um, fascinating part of the offseason for the Denver Broncos. Because I, I think it's, it's John Elway is extremely competitive. But you can say that about, I think, everyone in football. I mean, I don't know. I don't think there's any GM in football who's just kicking back and saying, nah, you know, I'm good. I, I think it's an overused phrase. I think, you know, you, you, I get it that they have to say it. But... There's no point in us saying, yeah, come on, John Elway wants to win. Well, well, yeah, I mean, every GM wants to win. It's 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 literally their job to win. If they don't win, then they're gone. And then and it's a it's a a industry, a job that requires you to, you know, have a certain level of success or you're gone. And Elway, it is a little different now though, because he has three more years to prove that he can win, that he can put a winning team on the field. And I mean, I, I don't think Elway is in that much danger that if he wanted to stay, that they would not resign him. I mean, come on. Again, he's won a Super Bowl. He's brought them to two. He had great success, you know, in the past. Yes, he's had a couple of rough years, but that happens. That that almost always happens after at least a mini dynasty, which the Broncos had. With Peyton Manning, it was a mini dynasty. They absolutely destroyed the AFC West, and they, they were obviously the only team in football who could ever beat the freaking New England Patriots. And... And we have to keep that in mind. And again, we've talked about that before, that that was their contention window. And then once the window closes, you almost always go through at least a few years of, of painful rebuilding. Now, we can talk forever about you know how that rebuilding did or did not happen, how Paxton Lynch really screwed over the franchise, etc., how one bad pick or a few bad picks can really um, set you back a couple of years. And that's probably what happened. But now that Elway has three years left on his contract, he, he at least has something to prove to himself. I mean... I, who knows if he even wants to stay? But again, I believe if he wants to stay, you, you can't. How, how are you going to release John Elway as GM? Who are you going to bring in that's going to be better? I see a lot of a lot of people who are anti Elway. Who's going to be better? You, you want to go bring in some some rookie GM from somewhere, or even even a guy who's been around, say. And, and you think for sure that he's going to be better than John Elway? Elway, who has brought in free agents like Demarcus Ware, Akeem Talib, Peyton Manning. A guy who's had good drafts also. He's had a couple bad drafts, but he's also had good drafts. I mean, he's put good products on the field for, you know, half the time he's been GM. And that's, you know, okay, I get it. The Broncos are used to to being above 500. But Elway, his idea is that, okay, I don't want to be 500. I don't want to just, you know, not have two losing seasons in a row. I want to compete every year. And that's not easy. It's not easy. So, I mean, I think we need to give Elway a bit of a break. And, okay, not even a break, but I mean... We have to realize that 
compared to other GMs in the league, he's got to be near the top. Even if he's got some negative sides to his, you know, his expertise, he's not very good at, at judging quarterback talent, and it's and it's shown. And that's what I want to talk about now. You know, the, the draft is really fascinating right now. If you look at the top ten. And that's, again, the top 10, number one is the Cardinals, then you have the 49ers, the Jets, the Raiders, the Bucks, the Giants, the Jags, the Lions, the Bills, the Broncos. And it's it's an interesting thing. So it's already been a strange few weeks because Kingsbury, the head coach over in Arizona, had had said way back a couple of years ago when he was when he was coaching uh, Texas A&M, I believe, in, in the college ranks, and he's and he saw Murray, I believe, and he said, yeah, if I was an NFL coach, I would draft him number one. And then, of course, this coach, Kingsbury, goes over to to the Cardinals, to Arizona, and has the chance to draft Murray first. And what happened? Well, I think it was last week he came out and said that the plan right now is to draft Murray number one. Now, there there are a few different ways this could, you know, mix things up. And, and I, I had some, some Twitter conversations last night with some of the, um, especially some of the, some of the MHR guys. Sorry, I have notifications dinging on my computer, um, and and we were we were wondering, it's like, what does he gain from that? I mean, either you're saying this that you're going to bring in a guy, and then you're just totally, you know, tossing your your former first round pick, your last year's first round pick, Josh Rosen, under the bus, and saying, hey, yeah, I don't want you. We're done with you. We're going to go with another guy. And then you trade Rosen, and that's definitely possible. Or you're trying to somehow get some team to panic who desperately wants Murray to trade up to number one and, and sell you their farm. And that's also possible. I don't know what's more likely, honestly. I, I think because of Kingsbury's past with Murray and his past comments, if he really thinks Murray is the next superstar in the NFL, then yeah, if you have the chance to draft someone that you believe is the next big thing, the next superstar, then then you do it. And and who cares about Josh Rosen? I mean, geez, Josh Rosen had a terrible year. Now, yeah, he, he had a terrible year with a terrible team. I'm not saying he's going to be terrible, but he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to be someone you 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 know build an organization around. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not a big Josh Rosen guy. So if I'm the Cardinals then, and you believe in Murray, then you go get him. And which means that if Murray's picked number one, obviously it shifts everything a step you know, up. So, so say Joey Bosa probably goes to the 49ers. Um, I can't imagine he falls past two. I mean, he's, he's supposed to be like the top uh, player in the draft. So Murray would be more of a, I don't know, a personal choice because he is a risk, obviously a smaller quarterback with small hands, et cetera, but a guy who can do it outside the pocket, inside the pocket, but with little experience. And, and, and that, that's also, you know, I'm kind of going all over the place here, but I mean, a guy who, who's only played one year in the, in, in the college ranks, it's, it's a little dangerous. I and mean, it's not the same as it is in like college basketball. I think college basketball, you can see enough of a guy in a year. And in college football with a quarterback, it's tough to say. And it's the same with Haskins, that they both put up really phenomenal years with their respective teams, but it's only one year. And that's a bit scary. I think that's why you, you tend to feel a little more comfortable with guys like Drew Locke, who's, who's just, he's just literally got more tape. You, you can look and say, okay, this is how he's handled, you know, you know, each situation, you know, but situations in, in good games, bad games, good teams, bad teams, you know, blitzes, non blitzes, etc. And, and you can, you can really see it on tape. And with these two guys, you, you see it, but not, nearly as much and that that's a bit of a worry I think but obviously someone like the cards is you know they're not going to care they're going to put all their chips in 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 the in the in the in the middle wow I can't think of my phrases (laughs) and they're going to just bet all and go all in on Murray and so if that happens again who is left in the top 10 before the Broncos who's going to want a quarterback the 49ers have Garoppolo so they're out the Jets they're out also. Um, obviously, they have their rookie from last year. The Raiders, they have Carr. So uh, I'm not sure about the Raiders. I kind of put a question mark next to them because I think Gruden is kind of a wild card. We don't really know what he's going to do. We don't really know if he wants Carr. He says he wants Carr. That doesn't mean he actually does. I could see them trading Carr and drafting uh, Haskins, number one. I mean, it, when you come in, if, if you're if you're, if you're um, Gruden and 
you you have the freedom. You have a ten year contract, and you, you just started. You're rebuilding a team. Do you are you sure you want to build it around a guy like Carr, who's kind of proven to be, eh? I mean, he's not terrible, but he's definitely not great. I mean, he's kind of a middle rung guy. I if I'm Gruden, no. I mean, I want to bring in a guy who I can build around, a guy who will who will grow with me as the head coach, and he can be my quarterback. And so. I worry a little bit that the Raiders could surprise people and go and get someone like Haskins. Um, so the Raiders are a possibility. The Bucks, I mean, they have Jameis Winston, but they're another one. I mean, are you really sure about Jameis Winston? I mean, he's a guy who's, who's, who puts up great games sometimes, puts up great numbers, but he's kind of a loon. He's, he's, he's really unpredictable. He throws a ton of interceptions. So, eh. I, they're another one. I put a question mark next to them. The Giants, obviously, they they are looking for a young quarterback. I mean, Eli Manning has not been great though. Last year, he his numbers were actually surprisingly solid, but in general, he hasn't been great. They're looking for someone young, so they could also draft a quarterback. So three teams in a row, kind of with a question mark. The Jags, they've been rumored to want to go after Nick Foles, but it's it's another thing that that's it's definitely not sure they might do it. I think some one of these teams is going to be out of the race if they go after Nick Foles. But it could also be it could be Washington, it could be Miami. I think it's possible that if the Cardinals go and get Murray, they're going to trade Rosen and then Rosen could also be traded to someone like Washington or Miami or the Jags. So there's a lot of 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 ifs right now with the quarterback situation. And the Broncos again at 10 obviously could want a quarterback, but because they drafted Joe Flacco, they're not going to panic and have to get a quarterback. So that brings me to to my main point is what are the options for the Broncos? Obviously, there are three different options. I mean, three general options. They either trade up in the draft, they stay put, or they trade back, right? That That's really all they can do. Those are the three actual options. Now, what players they get, obviously, there are many, 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 many options. But in my opinion, there are looking at those three different options, if you trade up, I think you only trade up for a few players. If you stay put, you have a lot of players. If you trade back, I, I have a, an opinion on if you trade back. So let's start with if the Broncos trade up in the draft. So if they trade up from number 10 up into, I don't know, the top five or six picks, now, the only reason in my mind you trade up in, in this draft is if you have a quarterback that you must have, you believe you must have. And in this draft, I don't see anyone who's a must-have unless it's Murray or Haskins. Murray is, is the home run guy. He's the guy who, who he's, he's hit or miss. He could be great, and he might not. He could be the next, the next RG3, who was great for a year or two even, and then wasn't, but... You know he, he's a, he's a risk, but a guy that I could totally see trading up and selling the farm for. The other guy is Haskins. Haskins is is almost the, the the surest thing in the draft besides maybe Bosa. He's a guy who he he makes the, all the passes. He's smart. He reads defenses. He checks off the safety. All of these things. He's not very fast. His footwork is fairly questionable, but he's got the arm. He's got the the mind, the intelligence, and at least the one year of history to prove that he's able to do it at a big time level. So those are the only two guys I think you trade up for. I don't think that's getting enough attention that the Broncos could trade up for Haskins. I don't think they get Murray. I just don't see that. I don't see Murray as an Elway guy. Um, I don't see Murray as a guy who's going to make it past the top three because someone's going to trade up and get him because of all the hype and the belief that he is the next thing. I think Haskins is a guy who actually could somehow fall enough that the Broncos could go get him. So if the Raiders don't get him at four, which I think they could, I mean, I think they could, I I would not be shocked if they do, but they have so many other needs. I mean, who knows? But if they don't, then I think there is a potential trade partner with the Bucks at five. Now the Bucks. They they also could draft a quarterback, but they're probably happy with Jameis Winston at least for another year. Now, I don't see what stops the Broncos from trading up. If you think Haskins is the guy, he's he's a he's a can't miss prospect. Now, I don't think that they've they they didn't work him out um, at least at the combine, or they, I don't think they interviewed him. So maybe at his pro day they they will and they will go look at him in detail just because uh, even if they don't draft him, it's just the the smart thing to do. But 
I don't think this is getting enough traction that that is a possibility. If if they think he is the guy, then you do it. Because if you don't do it, then maybe the Giants will do it. And, and that obviously opens up all these ifs, 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 ifs. Because, I mean, that's the whole draft and the, the everything of the draft is all a conjecture. But I think that's possible. And if they're going to trade up, they're going to draft Haskins. That is definitely my prediction. If they stay put at 10, this is the number two option. They stay put. They stay at 10. And they say, okay, whoever falls to us, you know, whoever the best player is, that's who we draft. And I think they're going to be looking for guys like Devin White, the linebacker. They're going to be looking at guys like Greedy Williams, maybe someone who who somehow falls like, um, um, oh, I, keep, I keep forgetting the big D, D lineman, um, Quinn, Quinn something. Ah, my, my mind today is so bad with names. Um, anyway, one of these guys that maybe they'd sit and just wait and see if someone falls. Perhaps, you know, wait and just see if someone wants to trade up and draft, you know, somebody and they can, you know, add to their to their draft capital because they have a lot of needs, the Broncos do. So it wouldn't shock me if they, they trade back. But let's say let's say they stay put again. Let's, let's say they stay put. They have enough needs. They have needs at at cornerback. They have needs at linebacker, even offensive line, even defensive line, tight end. I mean, there are plenty of these positions that are available there. I mean, honestly, they even could. Crazy enough, draft a wide receiver in the tenth spot. There are a couple guys who are really, really good, like Metcalf, and that is actually a need, especially if they let go of Emmanuel Sanders. It looks like they're not going to let go of Sanders, but you don't know if he's going to be healthy. So there are a lot of these ifs, and if they stay put, it's it's going to be the most crap shooty position. I mean, it's you just have no idea. They they could draft anybody, whoever's available whoever they want. I mean, it makes sense to go Devin White, of course, if he's available, but there are other really good inside linebackers in this draft and guys who are probably going to fall to the late first round and even the second and third rounds. And so if you don't love White more, you know, way, way, way more than the others guys, then you obviously pick the guy that you think is the best value at number 10, which again, it could be Greedy Williams or one of these other cornerbacks, etc. I mean, it's all ifs. Now, if they trade back, this is where I think it gets interesting. If they trade back, I think you trade back maybe a few picks, maybe from 10 to 15 or 20 or whatever. I mean, whatever draft capital and stock that you can get from that pick. And that is where you potentially trade back and and see if someone like Drew Locke lasts that long. I don't think Drew Locke is going to go in the top 10. I just don't see it. I, I think everyone's hyping him up. I, and it, of course it's possible, but I don't think he's going to go that high. I don't think Elway has any intention of drafting him at 10. And I've said that from the start. I think Elway and Kubiak at the time, they looked at him as a guy who possibly could even fall into the second round. And, you know, after, you know, the 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 um, senior senior game and, and after the the combine, it looks like his draft stock has is significantly exploded. But at the time, he wasn't really regarded as a top 10 pick, maybe not even as a first round pick. We have to keep that in mind. Now, maybe some people did, but not everyone. And that's for sure. So I don't think Elway ever considered him as a top 10. I don't think he does now. I don't I don't know. I haven't talked with Elway. I'm not in the room, but that's my opinion. I don't think he sees him as that. And so I think Elway could say, okay, you know, at number 10, say Devin White's gone. Greedy Williams is gone. These guys that we really loved are all gone. So let's trade back to 15 or 16 or even 20 or something and, and add, you know, a second round or a third round or whatever. And there you can say, okay, if Locke somehow falls to 16, then we pick him because we like him. We don't like him top 10 level, but we like him at 16. And if Locke goes earlier, then you you pick one of these inside linebackers. And then you have another second and another third round pick for for your many needs. Now, they have a lot of picks, though. They traded one of their fourth rounders away for Joe Flacco. But you still have, I think it's nine picks this year. And so if you trade back, you actually, you have a couple more. So you maybe trade for one this year and, and for a, a top you know pick next year where, where you really hope 2020 is your big-time draft. But there are a lot of talented guys, obviously, as always, in this draft. And the Broncos, honestly, the, the, John Elway, since he's been in, his, his best picks have, have been kind of later in the draft anyway. He, he has not been great at his first or second round picks. Now, he's had a couple of great ones. I mean, Von Miller, et cetera. But, but he's, he's blown a lot of them. And so you, you think... I think that Elway is going to... Ah, it's a good question. I mean, I'm 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 talking myself out of this all the time. I, I can never really decide what he's going to do. And actually, let's let's take a quick break, 
and and I'll I'll let my brain again wrap itself around what John Elway I think he's going to do, and I'll come back and we'll talk about it for our last segment after this break. All right, so for the last segment again, um, as we were talking about with with John Elway and what John Elway will do and what he wants to do, nobody knows. He's been pretty unpredictable. The, the one thing he's been fairly predictable with is he doesn't like trading up in the draft. He doesn't really love wasting draft capital to reach for a guy. Now, we also know that he loves tall, dark, and handsome quarterbacks, right? But I don't think he's going to do that again. I think that he, you have to imagine that his in his psyche, he has to be scared off by by risking drafting a quarterback. And I think that's why they brought in Flacco. And so with that idea that, okay, we brought in Flacco, he can either play one year, two years, three years, and you try to build around him, or, you know, if you find a guy you love at a spot you love, then you get him. It doesn't seem like the Broncos love Haskins. Now, if he falls to 10, I bet they pick him because he would be good enough at 10, I, I imagine. And, and I imagine they would believe that too. If if Drew Locke falls to 20 or, or 30 or 40, whatever, then yeah, they probably draft him because they say, okay, his value is worth that and we will give him a chance at this position. But I don't think Elway is going to stay at 10 and draft Drew Locke. I, I just don't see it. I don't think he is a talented enough guy. And if you screw up that pick again, then you're done. You're done. If, if you mess up again on a young quarterback, especially if you draft him as high as 10, then Elway is is finished. And, and if he has to win in three years, then he's either going to win with Joe Flacco or try to win with Joe Flacco and say, okay, he is our quarterback. He's not great, but he'll be good enough. And if we make a system around him, then he can be a very good quarterback, which he has shown that he can be. I'm not a Flacco guy, but he has won. He has won a Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl MVP. He has 10 road playoff victories. That is more than most teams in the last 40 years. So, I mean, we have to give the guy some credit. And even though a lot of us don't like him, he has proven that in the big games, he can win. And Elway might just have enough belief in him to do it for the next three years. And if that's the case, then of course, you just look at building around him. If if you believe that the next three years are your window to win, to win the Super Bowl. Maybe not this year, but perhaps next year in 2021. Then it makes sense to build around Flacco because if you go and spend a tenth, a number 10 pick on someone like Drew Locke or even on Haskins, then you're risking that and you're going to have to build around a rookie. Most rookies do not have success in their first years. Now, every now and then they do, but it's not common. So they usually take some time to to learn the the pro system and learn the reads and learn the speed of the game in the pros. And I don't think Elway thinks that there's enough time. I don't think Elway drafts a quarterback. Now, I know I keep going back and forth and I think they could draft, you know, move up and draft Haskins if they love him. But, you know, it doesn't fit Elway's mindset, it seems. I think his mindset is I'm scared to death of drafting a quarterback and screwing it up, and I've got three years to prove that I can bring this team to victory. So let's build around a guy who's done it, and that's exactly why they got Joe Flacco. They tried it with Keenum, but Keenum was more of a panic move because, well, they had Simeon and Lynch, and you know Cousins was was an overpay of a lifetime for for Minnesota. So you you really only had the option of going out and getting a guy like Keenum and and. Well, that didn't work. So you go out and get a guy, another guy who, well, he's had success. He he has played in, in systems like the one that Scangarello is going to bring in. And you say, okay, we're going to go back to our, our team of like 2015 and build around what we can make a great defense and an offense that will work. A good run game or even a great running game and a solid quarterback. And Flacco can be a solid quarterback. And he can be a guy who can win games for you. He's done it before. And that's something that Keenum clearly showed that he can't. He can win games with you, but he can't win games for you. And Flacco can. And so if you build around Flacco, you need to just make this defense absolutely studly. Now, you brought in the coach to do that. Again, look at look at what Elway has done. We can start predicting what this team is trying to build. They're not going to draft a quarterback. It just, I mean, unless you love a guy, you're not going to do it. You're going to stick with Flacco and you're going to say, okay, we need to make this team, this defense great again. And they have the pieces to do it. They have the pieces to do it. They have two future Hall of Famers on the defense. Chris Harris Jr. and Von Miller are, are I mean, Von Miller is no question. Chris Harris Jr. Is, is definitely in the discussion. And if he continues as he's playing right now, he should absolutely be a Hall of Famer. And you have these two to build around. You have Bradley Chubb. You have a couple other guys who are really talented. You have safeties that are decent. 
But you do absolutely need a stud middle linebacker. You need at least one more cornerback. And you need a couple more guys on the defensive line. So why not spend some money, keep Shaq Barrett, pay him to be, you know, your, your number one rotational edge rusher. Bring it, you know, re-sign Shelby Harris. Bring in another, you know, couple big guys, you know, to, to stuff the run. Draft or bring in a free agent middle linebacker. If you can get CJ Mosley, get CJ Mosley. He he's a guy, CJ Mosley. If you if you bring in CJ Mosley, think about this. If you bring in CJ Mosley and draft the top cornerback in the draft, then you're gonna have Mosley, Miller, Harris, Jr., Chubb, and say Greedy Williams. That's a really good start to a to a defense. If you have the guys who can get to the quarterback and then the guys who can, you know, who can cover, you know, on an island or in in zone, which I know Fangio is is likely to to play a lot of, that it's just it's going to cause chaos. And that's what happened in 2015. They had Talib, Harris Jr. and Roby as your number three, and then you had Ware and Miller, and it was just chaos. Now and then add Malik Jackson in the middle. And it was one of the greatest defenses of all time. And so why not try to rebuild that team? Try to rebuild. You have the edge rushers. That's a big one. I mean, that's a big one. I mean, that is really hard to get two great pass rushers on one team. And they have it. And they have it for the next years. So build around that. You have a great cornerback on your team. That's really hard. So add a couple pieces to this defense and it can be great. Now, a great defense, a great running game and a good quarterback can win Super Bowls. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that I think is how John Elway envisions this team. And I think that's why he brought in Fangio who, who has the same idea, the same, you know, background, a good offense and a great defense. And that's the way they're going to do it. So it wouldn't shock me if they go out and, and make a big, defensive free agent signing it could be Mosley maybe it's one of these these uh defensive ends defensive linemen I mean there are a lot of guys on defense available in free agency and then you go and draft again at number 10 someone from defense you build your offensive line through free agency maybe bring back Feld here maybe Paradis if he's at the right price I would like to see Paradis obviously I like where they're going, honestly. And I think it's all conjecture, but that that's my opinion that they're not going to draft any quarterback. Drew Locke, no way. No way. That that's the one thing I'm I'm almost positive about. Now, of course, since I say that, they're probably going to go draft Drew Locke, but I'm I'm really confident it will not be Drew Locke. It will not be a quarterback. They're going to build around the defense. And in a couple of years, they want to recreate the 2015 team. And most likely that will be behind Joe Flacco under center. All right. That's all I got for the day. Thank you all for listening. I'll be back next week for more Broncos and Bratwurst broadcast, broadcast, podcast, BBB, BBP. Um, And we'll talk more, obviously next week, we'll talk more free agency and who the Broncos are most likely to bring in and who would be most likely to help this team back to their former glory. I'm out.